I'm R.J. Bell with the Sports Bang Headlines for Friday. Well, Washington wins on a last-second field goal, but the Giants cover. Here's the question. Is Washington better off or worse off than when they started the season? They're worse off. We'll explain why. Lamar Jackson has never been a home underdog in his career. Till this week, Kansas City was three and a half. Money on Kansas City. It's moving towards four. Biggest game in college football. Alabama laying over two touchdowns at the Swamp against Florida. We're going to have a preview of that early in the show. Here comes a four-hour The Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm RJ live in Las Vegas, live on a Monster Friday show, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. In studio, A.J. Hoffman, college football expert. And as we said, about five, seven minutes, biggest game of the weekend in college, a preview. That's even before the best bet, and that's even before my best bet, and that's even before maybe the most popular segment of the week when we go over every NFL game and give one tidbit that you should know. And sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. We're the pros. He's the Joe in L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ, and yes, on a day in which we've got a bunch of college football we can look ahead to. We've also got some major NFL matchups, including a big one on Sunday night football to look ahead to. What is the Vegas lead here on this Friday? Well, I wanted to find out, is it Taylor or Tyler Heineke? <laughs> so I figure let's talk Washington Giants. And obviously this was a, uh, a, I don't know if barn burner, but let's say an exciting finish for sure. Yeah, it was. And as somebody who has uh, mistakenly said what of many people has called him Tyler on the air before, I can assure you it is Taylor. Uh, so the Taylor Heineke fans are big fans of what happened last night. The Washington football team in a thriller get a 30-29 to win over the New York Giants. Washington improves to 1-1 on the season. Okay, one of the things that makes Straight Out of Vegas different is we understand the distinction between what does a game mean for the mathematics of the standings And what does the game mean for how we rate these teams? And those are two different conversations. Imagine a game, uh, let's say New England-Miami this prior weekend, this past weekend. In the standings, it was a big win for Miami. In division against a team, New England, that is competitive for a playoff spot with them, can't have a bigger win than that. But when it came to upgrading Miami, didn't happen. Most... Most pro batters didn't upgrade them at all. Downgrading the loser, New England, not didn't that they felt like if anything, New England played a little better than expected. There were you know multiple fumbles, etc. Now none of that matters. Check the scoreboard, or as Rashid said, score. I think it was. Yeah, that's true. But that doesn't tell us that if we're looking backwards, that really matters. 
if we're looking forwards, it matters what we know or have learned about these teams. So let's start with the backwards looking. Washington now is one and one. They actually have a slightly worse odds to win their division than they entered the season with. They were about plus 200 to win the division entering the season. Now they're plus 225. So splitting out one and one and Dallas losing and the Giants now 0-2, you would think Washington is better off, especially with Dallas as underdogs this week. No, it's actually a slightly worse. Heineke, T. Heineke, as I like to say. <laughs> T. It, Hine. <laughs> it, it's a situation that some people are saying, could he be better? Could he evolve better than Fitzpatrick? Younger, obviously. Not from Harvard, but more mobile, and he has some guts to him. There's something about him that implies gutsy play. AJ, when you look at Washington and, and take any choice, it can be Heineke, it can be whatever, do you agree they're worse off by a smidge with their chance to win the division than they were to start the season? Yes, I do. Why? I, I mean, because we've seen two lackluster performances, to be honest. And, and it's great that they won the game last night. They didn't cover the spread, meaning they didn't reach expectation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know that their defense is nearly as dominant as it was a year ago. And kind of what I said this week, and and I know you you like the Chicago Bears this week, I, I feel the same way about the football team. This team, is if they were going to be good, we knew it had to be with defense. And if their defense isn't great, I have real concerns about what they are as a team. And, and the football team, maybe even more so than the Bears, I, I've not been impressed with their defense. Well... Oh, really? You, you think that Washington's D is worse than the Bears? No, I'm based saying on expectation. based on okay. expectation. Well, I mean, the way the, the, the Daniel Jones was moving the ball on him last night was alarming. Hmm. All right, so first off, I would say Thursday night games tend to be aberrations. Fair. Uh, now, the home team has an advantage. So, considering that the game was at Washington, you know, now in division, the Thursday's not as different because they're more familiar with the other team. I would say this, too. Washington and a lot of really sharp guys made the point of this before the season. They had a very easy schedule against opposing offenses last year, which you hear about a lot is strength of schedule. But what about strength of schedule relative to offense and defense? You don't hear that as much. And then what you got to account for is a team that plays, you know, let's say um, Washington plays a team that their starting quarterback played 13 games. But one of those games he missed was against Washington. You've got to account for that. And Washington had some luck when it came to who they played. And also, the analytics guys will tell you, defense is not as predictive as offense. Meaning, if you have a top-five offense, the odds of having that next year are much better than if you have a top-five defense, and the odds of having that defense in the top-five next year are much less so it kind of makes sense that there's been a regression, though obviously it's only two games. We are straight out of Vegas. Jonas Knox in L.A., same question. Where do you look at Washington now relative to two games ago? I look at their defense as being down, similar to A.J. I, I thought that was going to be the strength of the team, but I'm actually more optimistic about their quarterback situation with Heineke than I was Fitzpatrick. I, I think he adds a different, uh, a different ability, a different skill set than Fitzpatrick does, and it seems like, and I don't know if there's any, you can quantify this, but it does seem like that team really rallies around 
around him. He's got something. There's a juice there. We've seen him in limited uh, spots, and he's played really well. The interception was a bad interception late in that game, no doubt. But he made some throws that I thought were really impressive, big-time NFL throws, and I thought he looked pretty good. Let's talk about that interception. So PFF has a concept, turnover-worthy plays. Heineke did not get a turnover-worthy play on that interception. So, by all accounts, at least on the surface, it looked like it was a bad throw. Their rationale is that one, the receiver was held up, Heineke couldn't have known it, and if the receiver wasn't held up, it would have never happened that way. Now, listen, when there's subjectivity like this, we can debate it, but I like that there's another level of nuance being added to the conversation. All that said, Heineke's QBR... 35.8, not good at all. Daniel Jones, QBR, almost 70. But if you look at his PFF grade, it's the second highest grade of any quarterback this year. Tom Brady had the first highest. <laughs> AJ, you're looking at the screen like, where's that info? It's coming right from the noggin, oh, baby. <laughs> Jones' PFF grade, 91.3. Now, the only guy that's been in the 90s this year was Brady on opening night. So literally, this is now what does PFF do differently than like QBR? QBR says, How well do you do? PFF says, How well did the quarterback play? So, a good example perfect pass in the end zone, it's dropped. QBR says, Incomplete pass. PFF says, Great pass. All right. So, now again, subjectivity, but Jones looked better than his stats. And Heineke, and I think Jones brings up a great point. How much do the, does the other teammates care about winning for you, that you're their leader? And for a guy that only started three games, and this was the third one, Heineke does seem to have that leadership gene that can be very meaningful but hard to quantify. AJ, you had a comment about Heineke. I was, Taylor Heineke, Michael Irvin asked him last night after the game on NFL Network if he thought that he'd earned the right to be the starter. In Washington, and he said, "Absolutely, he feels like he's he gives this team the best chance to win." What is the current status of Fitzpatrick? Six to eight weeks was the last I heard. Is that right? Yeah, is that what yes. you're hearing, John? Six okay. to eight. He's on IR, but not the the season-ending IR. I tell you this: this doesn't feel intuitive, but I think it's very true. I had so much. Let's say Heineke and Fitzpatrick were even, exactly even. I so much more want both of them than one of them, because both one. Fitzpatrick's erratic. He'll have his bad games. He'll have it. It'd be great to say, okay, Fitzpatrick, you're starting game 10. But listen, you know, almost like last year with Miami, with Tua, you start out great, go. You start out bad, switcheroo. Now, listen, no one wants that, but everyone's still getting paid their money. And hey, if you don't want this, play so well, I don't switch you out. Uh, also, Heineke, just his physical, he, he's not a, there's a reason he was undrafted, if I'm not mistaken, right? Undrafted? Yep. yep. It, it, physically, he's not elite. Doesn't mean you can't do well, but it means taking the pounding for 17 games. Not sure about that. But he does add an element. He's like a 4-6-40 guy. Yeah. He's, a, he's, he's a nice athlete. He gives them something that probably Ryan, this older version of Ryan yeah. Fitzpatrick doesn't give a you. Lot of the, a lot of those scout team quarterbacks run fast 40s, too. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I hear you. There is that element, but I don't think it's... I mean, how many teams enter the year with that kind of quarterback? Well, Hurts, you could make the case, right? A similar quarterback. Not many are willing to do that. And I think for good reason. Change of pace, 
I like it. If he's hot, I like it. And I do have vested interest in Washington at plus 350 to win the division. We talked about on the podcast you trying to maybe work your way out of that. Did last night's result change your mind on that some? No, no. Because I think, again, when what AJ's saying is hedging out, betting a little Dallas, betting a little... I don't know. I got to decide because Dallas is a dog. If they lose in their own two... It's going to be a big swing. If they win, it's going to be not only a key win, but winning as a dog is going to help their odds a lot. But you agree, maybe more more so than what Dallas has done, Philly has come into the conversation more than you thought well, they were. We're going to see, though, right? Because it's the it's the catch-22 of one game. Because The more I listen to analysis, and we'll get into it, uh, well, let's do this. I'm gonna. I'll talk about Philly in the next segment. Jonas, you had a closing thought. Yeah, like how much? Because we can talk about the quarterback Fitzpatrick or Heineke. But to me, if this defense continues to look the way that they look, we downgrade them the rest of the year. Correct? Like if this is, if, I think, I think that's really what they've been built on. We've been hearing about this front seven and all the first round picks they've got, and they were getting sliced and diced on on for, or a lot of defensive experts, rudimentary type plays to where they weren't keeping their lanes they weren't you know picking up on their assignments and they made daniel jones look pretty damn good at times last night yeah and and again like we said here what a strong uh personal grade he got for pff here's the thing if you entered into the year thinking washington's going to be the third best defense then you're going to be disappointed i don't think anyone that's super sharp thought that they thought okay over under for washington's d maybe nine and a half now you know they could be the ninth or tenth tenth best and that wouldn't be crazy. It'd be right in the expectation. So now the question is, are they f- far from that? Because you could say they are, but how good are the Chargers? Right? We don't know how good the Chargers are. We also know this, and I'm going by memory. Double check this, McKenzie. Daniel Jones is 4-0 against Washington. Is, is that right? He's 4-1 now. Okay, right? yeah, he was 4-0. <laughs> It's not a. I mean, to some degree, there's certain players that do well against certain schemes, against certain other players, and it strikes me that maybe we say Chargers O line was a lot better than we expected because they had a lot of new people. We'll see this week. Is it better than we expect against Dallas? Just an example. It's going to be one game, but still. And I also could make the case that. The Giants have played really well against this Washington team. So maybe now it doesn't look quite as bad, but I would agree. Washington's D is worse than, at least it seems to be worse than we thought. And Jones, I agree with you. At this point, you'd have to say lower expectations a little bit. And the market agrees with you. The market says Washington, even though they're one and one and leading the, well, I guess one and oh, Philly, one and one, that's not good enough. Their odds have gotten worse. Okay, let's take a first break. When we come back, AJ is going to give us the biggest game of the college football weekend, a nice Vegas preview. Then, every NFL game, I'm going to give you one tidbit that you should really know if you bet or not. And he's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will take a look ahead to a big-time matchup in the SEC. 
there's so much content in this segment. It's like a sh- some shows aren't going to have this much content. We're going to have a preview of the big, big game and then a tidbit on every NFL game. Great day to join. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audience has doubled. Why? Because of you, your support. What are we going to do? We're going to keep working extra hard. With We're going to try to generate cash and laughs. Does that rhyme? Cash and laughs. Now, the weekend is a good time to catch up. If you missed anything, just search for Straight Out of Vegas on your favorite pod player, and it's right there, here in Vegas, on the Strip, 92 degrees, the neon is pumping. RJ, one of the big-time matchups in college football this weekend is in the SEC. It's number 1 Alabama at number 11 Florida coming up tomorrow. And right now on pregame.com, it's the Crimson Tide, a 14.5-point favorite. A.J. Hoffman, college football extraordinaire expert. What do you got? Well, this is an interesting matchup for Florida because they've kind of breezed through the first two weeks. Florida Atlantic and South Florida, both bad teams. And they took care of business, and everyone's excited about Florida because Florida, who was supposed to come in with Emory Jones, who's been the backup for Kyle Trask for years, he's been fine, but he's been splitting time at quarterback with Anthony Richardson. And Anthony Richardson, in limited time, has just been out of this world, 21-point two yards per play so everyone's thinking this may be the next big star in college football six passes 192 yards 275 yards on 11 carries okay so this isn't so much that the incumbent quarterback played poorly it's that a uh candidate to maybe take over surged and now getting some time yes and emory jones has thrown four interceptions in those two games so he's kind of given way to to make some room here's the thing about alabama and this was my handicap on alabama against miami week one their linebackers are so good that it makes it difficult for a running quarterback to beat them. The old narrative was you beat Nick Saban with a running quarterback. Mm-hmm. He fixed that. He he went out and got NFL linebackers. All four of those guys are potential first-round picks, and that's what he puts out on the field to slow that down. And these quarterbacks, if they are forced to throw, it could be a problem for Florida. Well, when you're down by 21-plus, you have to throw. <laughs> you do have to throw. The spread in this game. 14-and-a-half. God, Florida's favored. Florida is not favored. Uh, <laughs> Alabama f- favored by 14 and a half uh, in Gainesville. So they, they're there's they they're call that the swamp. The they? swamp. Now I got to be honest. If it was 14 and a half the other way, how much would you bet? If you could get Alabama plus 14 and a half, <laughs> would you bet half of your net worth? Yes. Yeah, you can get two thousand bucks down easy out here. So yes, I don't think I'd thank be any you. Trouble. <laughs> hey, no. But I think finding that number may be the trouble. <laughs> you got a best bet coming up before the end of the show. I do have one. All right, RJ. Now we go to the NFL. We are going to take a look ahead to every single game in the NFL this weekend. It is a Friday tradition here on Straight Out of Vegas, and we do get things started here in the NFC South, where we see the Saints at the Panthers, and right now it's New Orleans, a three and a half point favorite. Okay, so everybody knows about the COVID and the coaches, and the effect is debatable. But here's the question you got to ask yourself: How good are the Saints? Because if we came in with no expectations, no like, oh, I know that Houston's bad and you know Green Bay's good, right? No, who would have disagreed with that a week ago or even today? Houston's bad, Green Bay's good, but Green Bay looked as bad as any team. Houston looked very good. Now, how much do we adjust? That's the debate always after one or two weeks. There's a model at the Athletic, not Mike Sando, but another fellow there. He, it's called the Team Distributed Power Ratings. 
And by mathematics, it's the most predictive model of power ratings out there. Meaning, if you could have any power ratings in the world, you'd look at these, and they predict the future better than any other. Now, can you win just with these? No, but it's almost break even historically. And they have the Saints as the best team in football. And it isn't just based on week one. This model accounts for last season, transitions, different players coming in and out. And the Saints are the best team in football. So I'm going to say check your assumptions. Most people are thinking, oh, I thought the Saints would be average. Now I think maybe better than average. Maybe. But maybe they're the best team in football and the best power ratings out there. That's what they say. RJ, the first place Houston Texans are at the Cleveland Browns. Where right now, Cleveland is a 13-point favorite on pregame.com. Now, here's something to keep in mind. Guys like me, professionals, they like to play underdogs. Why? Because when you play an underdog, your interests are aligned with the teams almost always. If you play a favor, that might not be the case. You're laying five and a half, you're up by three, one minute left. What's the team's goal if they have the ball? Kneel it out. What's your goal? Get a field goal. (laughs) Well, with underdogs, you don't have that problem. So when do you bet favors? You bet favorites if you think their motivation is 100%. Because not only do you have that misaligned interest sometimes with a favor, but sometimes the favorites take things easy. You know how it is. You're at work. You've done this for 10 years, this given thing you're doing. Now it's your wife's birthday. Do you maybe have that third glass of wine Thursday night? Maybe you do. Well, the analogy or the analog of that for the NFL teams, when you're favored by 13, maybe you have that third glass of whatever. Now... When, don't, when doesn't a team look ahead? When doesn't a team take things lackadaisically when they're 0-1? So as much as I might lean dog here, I think I would lean Browns. I'm not going to play because I have an ethical problem with laying doubles in the NFL. A lot of people don't. A lot of smart guys don't. Maybe I'm too old school with that. But what I can tell you is the Browns are going to be motivated. And if you play against a motivated favorite, you lose one of your big possibilities, which is the favorite isn't motivated. When you play a dog, that is probably half of your value. The chance that the favorite isn't motivated. I think the chance of that is almost zero here. We're going to look ahead to the Bengals and Bears coming up later on in the show, but we next move to RJ's Pittsburgh Steelers, the 1-0 Steelers, who find themselves a six-and-a-half-point favorite hosting the Raiders. The Raiders are in the worst situational spot of any team probably this year. I mean, I'm counting the whole season or last season. I mean, think about it. Monday night, the emotion of opening up your stadium to the fans and to win a game that really was a borderline miracle to win. And now your reward, go to sleep, sleep like five, six hours, wake up and get ready for the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Gruden does not do well flying across country, his teams. And there's the old adage, oh, 10 a.m. start, local time, West Coast team, bad, bad, bad. It's really not. If you look at every team except the Raiders, they've done pretty well lately in that spot. The Raiders have done horribly. So, as much as I think this line's inflated, it opened five, now it's almost seven in some spots. I don't know if I can play the Raiders. Fezzik had on the podcast the Steelers as a best bet, and the rationale there is simple. He thinks the spot's so bad for the Raiders. I don't know how to quantify it, 
you know, I don't know, is it two points? Is it one and a half points? But it is a spot you cannot ignore negative for the Raiders. I do think that if that gets up to seven, you're starting to see some real value on the Raiders because I think the Steelers are going to play in a lot of low-scoring games this year. And if you get a full touchdown in a game that I think is an yeah, under game. 47 and a half. So... Now, if you like it under, I you do like, like it the under. under yeah, okay. and remember the Raiders were on track to an easy under until the last ten minutes of that game, and you know the same amount of points got scored in the last ten as did in the first fifty. No, I, I would I hear you, and if you like the under, taking seven is is juicy. What I would say to back that up is Pittsburgh obviously got a, a, enough points to win against the Bills. The offense did not play particularly well. To the AFC East we go, where the Buffalo Bills are a three-point favorite at the Dolphins. Here's the question. Year one, Josh Allen, not good. Year two, Josh Allen, not good. Year four, one game, Josh Allen, not good. That's factual. Last year, he was great. The Bills paid him as if that were the truth, because he literally has to play that well for this contract to make sense. He didn't play that well against Pittsburgh. Is it an aberration because Pittsburgh's so good on D? Maybe, but Pittsburgh was mighty good on D last year, and Josh Allen played better. It was late in the year. Pittsburgh was tired still. What I'm saying is we all think what we saw most recently, it's human nature, is the truth. Well, maybe the truth is what we've seen now for two-plus years, which is he's not great, not just the one year that he was great. We go to the Indianapolis Colts hosting the L.A. Rams, where L.A. is a three-and-a-half-point favorite on pregame.com. No team has gotten more love than the Rams since the start of the season. I mean, in the offseason, they got it, and then it was one of those, you know, uh, the confirmation of your bias. And what's the bias? Oh, oh, Stafford. Oh, yeah, he was held back in Detroit. You know, Calvin Johnson was not any good. He was overrated. And, you know, they had that one bad guy. I think Wayne Fonts was a coach here. Whatever the excuses were. And, again, I think there, some of them were justified. We have seen nothing from Stafford that says this guy's a winner. And maybe, again, we could say, well, what did we – you know, there's times that players are not winners. They get to the right spot. They become winners. Maybe. But you know what? It's far less than 100% certain. And right now, this line is being priced. Think about this. The Colts were, what, two-and-a-half-point underdogs? What did that close, McKenzie, against uh, Seattle? Three flat. It was three. Okay. So now we're saying the Rams are minus three-and-a-half and minus a little extra juice. So they're, they're a half-point better. But, again, coming off a of three, that's like one-and-a-half points. Are the Rams really one-and-a-half points better than Seattle? No. Well, you might say, well, Seattle easily beat the Colts. They did. Seattle played really well. I do not like Carson Wentz. So I'm not all anxious to play Carson Wentz, but I'm telling you this right now. This line is inflated. It might be right, but you're buying at the high end of the market if you play the Rams. A couple of 1-0 teams match up in Philadelphia this Sunday where the Niners are a three-point favorite at the Eagles. I've evolved my thinking on this. I like the Eagles as recently as Wednesday. The more I think about it, the more I listen to people. The Eagles won that game because they dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball against Atlanta. They're not going to be able to do that against the 49ers. So now the question is, what else do they got? And at that point, Hurts, though he had a really good game, Hurts had the lowest air yards per completion, which means he was dumping the ball off more than any other player last week. 
I think that works fine if you're controlling the line of scrimmage. I don't like the 49ers, but I'm backing away from the Eagles. Oh, by the way, 49ers staying in West Virginia. And historically, when they've done that in between, you know, it's an East Coast game. They stay like a mini camp. Then they play another game. They've done very well. The Urban and Trevor era at home kicks off this Sunday where the Broncos are at the Jaguars. And right now it's Denver, a six-point favorite. If the Rams are the most overrated team or inflated team in the NFL, the Broncos are right there. I mean, this line is now – I mean, this line was one and a half, what, about two weeks ago yeah. before the season. I know the Jags have looked bad. I know Broncos looked all right, though. You could even say game two for the Giants makes the Broncos win look even better because they were quite competitive last night. All that said, I mean, it's six and it's moving up. They are inflated. But again, I am not betting Jacksonville. Urban Meyer, if he's so stressed out, why do I want to? You, know, you look at him on the sidelines, you're thinking, that's who I want to invest. My, if, he was a, if he was a mutual fund manager, I'd be on the phone within 30 seconds <laughs> saying, sell my stock in Urban Meyer because I don't know. I don't like it. And by the way, Trevor Lawrence is not very good. I, I mean, you guys will get that one day, but not very good. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, first-round rookie quarterbacks, it's Mac versus Zach. It's the Patriots at the Jets where New England's a six-point favorite. We talked about it earlier. Pats have been upgraded even though they lost the game. By most accounts, Mac Jones is the most accomplished, best quarterback in this rookie class, at least as of now. This line is up. This line was only three and a half to open. It's six. I still have a strong lean, if not like, to the Pats. Belichick off a loss is so good historically. And the Jets are so much worse than we thought they were. It wasn't just what we saw against Carolina. Lost their left tackle, lost some guys on defense. The Jets are beat up, and I think emotionally it's going to be tough for them. Strong lean pats. Sam Darnold had a 79.4 QBR in that game. The highest he's had since week two. So basically, had, that's the highest of any two games combined. Yeah, he's had almost, <laughs> basically a career year against his Jets defense. And they put up 18 points? Eight, 19. Uh -huh. The Vikings at the Cardinals, Arizona, three and a half point favorite. Okay, Arizona's gotten a lot of love. The question is, and remember, our best bet last week, and hey, we will mind you, if we won, was on Your Arizona. lock of the last three years, but not really a lock. Say it again now? Your lock of the last three years, but not really a lock. That's true. But it was a lock. <laughs> but, but here's the question. Was it a matchup issue because the, the, that was an advantage to the Cardinals, or was it how bad Tennessee is? And that's why, as you enter these 4 o'clock games, Oftentimes, though not really in this case, because Tennessee's also a 4 o'clock game, but you can say, let's see what happens in these early games, and that will tell me something about last week. Like we said, the Giants, they look pretty good this week. So that makes Denver look even better. If the Giants had lost by 30, Denver's win looks less impressive. Early in the year, kind of transitive property type stuff. If this one team did this well against a certain team, how do they do the next game? Very important. Here, as I think Arizona is probably getting too much love. I'm a Zimmer guy. I'd lean Vikings. The Super Bowl champs are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they are 12.5-point favorites playing host to the Falcons. I'm going to give a bonus best bet right now. A bonus best bet. Tampa Bay, first half. First half. Minus seven was out there. You want to check that, McKenzie? Make sure it's still out there. Uh, I particularly like this. Yep, you can get seven flat. Seven flat, baby. That's minus 110. 
impromptu, or not impromptu, I've got this bet already, Tampa Bay, best bet. Rationale is simple. Against Tampa, how good is your, th- your second, third, and fourth cornerback? You know what? Most teams don't have good third cornerbacks. Well, when you've got the receiving core that, that Tampa does, you better. And why first half? Simply because a favorite's going to stay focused early, and I'd much rather have that than the whole game when they're a backdoor as possible. Impromptu best bet, first half, Tampa Bay minus seven. The Seahawks are hosting the Titans. Seattle is a six-and-a-half-point favorite on pregame.com. Seattle impressed me a lot, and Tennessee did not. And it's not just how they played. That's part of it. But Seattle's new offensive coordinator, they're doing a lot of different things and things that everyone thinks or all the smart people think they should have. And play action, under center more, just a lot of good stuff. And Russell was pinpoint accurate. I had some doubts, but thumbs up big time. Titans' new OC does not look good. And this is an OC. Remember now, uh, (laughs) Arthur Smith, who hasn't looked so good, at least for one game with Atlanta, he was a guru as OC for Tennessee. The the replacement now, hmm, I'm skeptical. So this is an example where everyone loves Seattle, everyone hates Tennessee, but I still lean Seattle. I can't play it, though, because of the love and the hate, it makes it too expensive. And you're paying a home field tax with Seattle, and everybody knows, oh, Seattle's so great at home. 55 and 31 straight up in the last five years. 21 20 and 1 against the spread. So th- Vegas knows. 21, so almost or just 51 50 50. And you know what? That's what happens is these, these, these teams get very popular in a spot or in general, and the point spread catches up. We got a few more games left. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Final break. When we come back, what a final segment. Best bet for me, best bet for AJ, and two big games, Cowboys and Kansas City Ravens, previewing that also. That's coming up next. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted, and it's money-making time next here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And R.J., we continue taking a look at the last couple of games in the NFL slate this weekend. And next we go to the Cowboys at the Chargers, where L.A. is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Chargers win against Washington. Now, what does it tell us that Washington won on Thursday? At minimum, it doesn't invalidate the win. It's, yeah, Washington's about what we expected. And you know what? Chargers beat him rather handedly, though the scoreboard didn't show it exactly that way. Cowboys, they played well against Tampa. But I've heard a lot of people say that Dak's arm looked compromised. I mean, people I respect. He, his stats are amazing. But the eye test said Dak's arm's not 100%. Uh, lines up to three and a half, so I don't like it. But Dallas, more injuries. I, I'm not interested in that Cowboys side. Into the Sunday night football game we go where it's the Chiefs at the Ravens, Kansas City, three and a half point favorites on pregame.com. This is one of the situations where value maybe feels like there's being valued offered, but I don't think there really is. This is the first time Lamar Jackson has ever been a home underdog, and now he's a three and a half point home underdog. That seems like value. Here's what I know. 
if the Ravens are going to win the game, it's likely not coming from behind. So if you like the Ravens, play the money line because chances are they're going to have a nice lead and win the game. The idea of them being down by 10 and backdooring you, it's possible. Unlikely, though. So if you do think there's value Ravens, look at the Ravens on the money line. So, RJ, you gave out a winner last week in the Arizona Cardinals at Tennessee, and now it's time for your best bet. And for that, we go to Chicago, where the Bears are hosting the Cincinnati Bengals right now on pregame.com. The Bears are one-point favorites. This is my redheaded stepchild best bet of the week. We're going with the Bears. And you know what? Because it's not fair that in the past, before we got more sensitive as a society, that sometimes redheaded stepchildren would not be treated the same. And you know what? Andy Dalton is being treated very unfairly. You know why? He didn't play bad. He got the ball out super fast. I think they crossed midfield against the Rams, supposedly the best defense in the NFL, like the first six possessions. And now we're talking about how bad the Bears are? Yeah, they're not great. Their defense isn't great. You know what? The Bengals aren't great. And now I got the Bears at home, lane two, which tells me, wait a minute. The Bears are a worse team than the Bengals? Nuh-uh. Best bet, Bears, lane the two. It's a value play. It's time for a best bet in college football. And for that, we go to West Point, where A.J. Hoffman likes Army and UConn. And right now it's Army, a 34-and-a-half-point favorite as they they host the UConn Huskies. UConn it can't compete. What's your, what's your pick? It's Army minus 34-and-a-half. <laughs> All right, convince us. UConn. In their two games against FBS schools so far this year, have been outscored 94 to zero. And in the past, I would say, "Ooh, that's a big number for Army because they ball control." This Army, 52nd in the country in plays run. This is an up-tempo Army, an up-tempo option team, up-tempo option team. UConn's obviously the worst team in college football, and a lot of teams would overlook them. I don't worry about that with a service academy. Army, go back through their their game log. When they've got a team they can ride on, they ride on them. They beat UMass in 2019, 53-7, a very similar built team. And this is a much better version of Army. They will not take their foot off the gas. And UConn has shown they will absolutely roll over and quit. Army minus 34.5. Now, would you say that against the option, against that kind of rough in your smash mouth football, if you are down 40-0, the idea of taking those hits and still Still playing tough, that I can see a team will that underdog will. And old Nebraska teams used to run it up that way. That's exactly the point. You start the physicality starts to wear on you, and I, I really do believe the service academy teams not quitting, not overlooking bad teams. That's a real thing. Okay, I would say this: of all the, what's the line again? Thirty-four and a half. Of all the thirty-four point favorites I've considered, <laughs> there are compelling case, a case here. Ah, ah. You know what, though? I have a feeling you're going to win this one. So I'm going to co sign it. And uh, Bears was my best bet. The bonus best bet was Tampa Bay first half. Great week, Jonas. Yeah, Straight Out of Vegas is brought to you by AutoZone. Dealing with a dead battery, head to AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. They offer free battery services like free battery testing and free battery charging. So next time you're having battery trouble, head to AutoZone, your battery solution, and America's number one battery destination. If you missed any of today's show, including multiple best bets and not only college football, but also a couple in the NFL, check out the podcast at FoxSportsRadio.com. We are back on Monday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on FS. Straight out of Vegas! Vegas!